Uh, grab your message notes. We're going to continue our series. We're talking about the fact that we are under construction. And we're tying in the construction that's happening on our facility with the construction that God is doing in our lives. Because, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's something happening inside of you right now that God is doing. He's amazing, and he's making you into an amazing person. Philippians 1.6 says that, that God began, the one who began this good work within us, He's the one doing the work. He will continue and he will complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. So every one of you this morning, that is really good news. But uh, just know this. Sometimes, sort of like this job site, you're also a job site. <laughs> okay? And things get a little bit messy sometimes, right? Out there, sometimes in here. Sometimes things get a little disrupted. And I was just, it was amazing how, how the, what's happening out there is going, happening right alongside with each one of the sermons. You know, I just thought, hey, this is cool because it is really messy out there. And our whole process of getting in the building in and out is being disrupted. Well, sometimes that happens with us. Sometimes us in our lives, things get a little messy. Things don't go the way we want them to go. They don't go as planned. And, and one of the areas is God's working in our lives. One of the areas that sometimes gets a little messy is what's happening up here. It's called our mind, our way of thinking, not just our brain, but the, our way of thinking, thinking about life, thinking about God, thinking about ourselves and everything is because how you think, in other words, what's going on up here determines everything else you do. It determines the decisions you make. It determines how relationships go in your life. It determines, uh, really, every, it determines the direction of your life. That's why it is so important that up here, that God is at work, not just here, fine-tuning things out here, but he is at work changing things and renewing things in your own mind because here's the thing when you got saved for those of you who have said yes to jesus christ the moment you did that the moment you said yes jesus i believe in you you've forgiven me of my sins i accept you into my life i want you to be my savior the moment you did that god did some amazing instant changes in your life he gave you a new heart your heart is brand new now uh, your spirit came alive instantly. You, God put a spirit within each person. And the moment you come to become a believer in Christ, your spirit comes alive that connects with the Holy Spirit that God just put inside of you when you became a follower, a believer in Jesus Christ. So many things have happened in your life as, as, as a result of that. He get, he's given you a new nature now. You're, you're a new person. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, first verse in your notes. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who said yes to Jesus, has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new one has what? Begun. That's the key. You've, get, you've been given a new one, but yet the, the, the wearing of that new life, the new you... It's a process, and that's what we're talking about. This process of you becoming who God has completely made you to be. 
that whole process. There are some things that just don't happen overnight when you become a believer. It could be some habits you've had. You've had some habits in your life that are just not good. Sometimes they're still going, and you need to deal with those as a believer now. Maybe some addictions. I know some people that the minute they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, I mean God frees them instantly from all the junk. But then there's some people that still struggle with that. So that's a process. How about the places you go? The people you hang out with? That's a work in progress sometimes. Or, or maybe it's um, the kind of words that you speak, say. Sometimes you still have to deal with a potty mouth a little bit. Okay? Now, even though you have a new heart, and, and Jesus tells us that it's out of the abundance of the, ha- the heart that the mouth speaks, sometimes it takes a while for us to get used to that, right? Some of us are still working on that one. Uh, sometimes it's just our, our attitudes. It's our attitudes about ourselves, about God, about others, about life, the world. Uh, it's just so many different things that, that God is working in your life still to change as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what it is in Romans 12, 2. Let's look at this. Here's what God does. He says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. In other words, don't act like you used to before you became a believer. He says, but let God transform you into a new person. There's that transforming into the new person that you are becoming, that's begun, by changing what? You say it. The way you think. Your mind, okay? One translation uses your mind. It's being renewed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So in order for your life to change, but in order for things to be different in your life, it starts here. It starts by the way you think. Because the way you think determines everything else in your life. If you want to change your life, you change your mind. You change what, how you think and what you think and, and all these different things. Here's an example, okay? You and your family, your crew, whoever it is, you live in this really, really small house. I mean, you've got about six or eight people and you've got a tiny 900 square foot, two bedroom, one bath house. Your kitchen is, has enough room for one person in it. And you're to the point where you're like, you're just like, ah, get out of my space. Everybody's just like in each other's space all the time. We need a bigger house. So you build a bigger house. You build a house, it's like 3,100 square feet. It's got four bedrooms, three baths, a kitchen. The whole family can be in the kitchen together. And it's it just really awesome. Yet, you move into this new house... And you still only use two bedrooms and one bathroom. And you act as if the kitchen is still that mini kitchen you had before. And somebody says, well, why don't you, why don't you? Because we're not used to that. We don't know, we don't know how, how to do that. Well, that's like you. 
God's made you into this new person, this amazing person. He's making a mansion out of you, yet you're still saddled with living and thinking and acting the way you used to while you were still in the little two-bedroom house, the old you. That's why God wants to change your thinking. He wants to show you this great life, this this four-bedroom, three-bathroom, huge kitchen, dining room. He wants to show you the potential that he has for you, but you'll never get there if you don't change your thinking. Are you with me? Many of us are stuck there. Now, this is for us as Christians as well. I mean, even though this has changed inside, this is still holding us back from being everything that God wants us to be and who he's creating us into and making us. I love this verse, Ephesians 4, 21, 24. This is like the foundational verse, the theme verse for today. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, it says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Look what it says. These are things that you still need to do. God's provided all these things. A new nature, just an amazing life. And he said, but you got to throw off the old in the formal way. you got to let the Spirit. you got to put on your new nature. All these are things that you get to do god's done everything for you yet this is your part (laughs) you walk in the change that god is creating in your life here here but up here so that's what we're going to talk about today what are some ways of thinking that you and i all of us still get stuck in now here's the thing It may be really good one day, (laughs) but then tomorrow comes, and all of a sudden those thoughts start really messing with us again. So this is an ongoing process. I would like to say that this week you could conquer every one of these and be good for the rest of your life. Uh, It's possible, but my guess is you're going to be struggling. We are going to be struggling with these until the day that Jesus makes us completely perfect. Are you with me? All right, let's dive in i got several things this morning I want to look at. This isn't exhaustive. It's just what I felt God bringing to us today. The Holy Spirit wants to change my thinking from, first thing, doing it my way to doing it God's way. This is everything. Okay? See, we were born with, we were born with this wanting to do things my way from the very beginning. And it's like this default guiding system in our lives. But if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to do things his way. And one of the things I've learned in life, and I talk about it all the time, when you do things God's way, things work out so much better. Do I have an amen on that one? They do. I mean, most of the messes that we find ourselves in are because we have chosen to do it our own way rather than follow what God said to do. And so here we are, and God said, told you. Well, I don't know if he says that, but he could, right? (laughs) He's a little more merciful than that. Here's what it says in Proverbs. Here's where these verses come alive. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your 
own understanding. In other words, do things God's way, not yours. <laughs> Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So what does that mean? It means you trust, you depend, you seek God's way and God's will in everything that you do and not your own. You do it his way completely. Things work better when you do that. So how, how do I do that? How, how, does this, how does God help me with all this? Well, it gives us a clue in Galatians 5.16. It says, I tell you, Live by following the Spirit, then you will not do what your sinful nature wants to do. In other words, your spirit within you, you have a, you have a body, you have a soul, you have a spirit. Your spirit is now alive because of the Holy Spirit who's inside of you. They're, they're connected, they're together. And if you, if you follow the lead, the guiding, the speaking, the whispering, the nudging, whatever, however you hear God's voice, if you follow that instead of your own intuition, your own desires, your own thoughts, life just goes so much better. Does it, does it take work to do this? Yeah, sometimes I, I, I don't know. Well, you know what else God's given us? <laughs> this is really good. The Bible. Do you, know, do you want to know what God's way is? What God wants you to do? Right there it is. And when there's, when there's thing, decisions and things you're up against, you're not quite sure, the Holy Spirit says, okay. He never contradicts the Bible. Sometimes he shows you what the Bible says. Sometimes he gives you a specific word for your situation. Okay, so that's the first one. Um, also, the next one, the Holy Spirit is changing our thinking from focusing on here, on the world and everything in it, to focusing on eternity. Okay, changing that. See, what happens is our natural way of thinking is the world right now, everything that's going on in the world, the world, our world, and even this moment that you're in. We get so stuck in the moment, right here, right now, and we forget that there's tomorrow. We forget that there's next year, that there's an even eternity. But yet everything is so intense in this moment that everything we think about, everything we feel, and every decision we make is about this moment, and it's about what's happening in the world, in our world. And we forget that there's so much more than here. And this moment, it affects our relationships. It affects our decisions we make. It affects our finances. How we, how we earn money, how we spend money, how we invest money, how we give money. All of that, so much of it is like we're, we're, so, we're stuck in this little circle and, and everything is like this moment. What can I do because of this moment? And one of the areas that God says, talk about your finances, you know what God says about that? He says you need to store up treasures in heaven because that's where your real re rewards are going to be. So many of us, we forget that there's so much there's so much better stuff way ahead of us 
than next month or even our own retirement here on this earth. God has an amazing retirement plan. And you'll never, never lose if you focus on what he has for you. Whether that's relationships, decisions about your family, whatever it is. You think about what God has for you. I love what Colossians chapter 3 says. It says, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights, in other words, focus on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God himself. Your new way of thinking if you have a new life, you have a new heart, you have a, you have a new destiny, your new way of thinking is not just here. It's about the kingdom of God. And it's about the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. Keep that on your mind, folks. Keep that on your mind. Jesus is coming back someday. Then the next one, and this is for all of us. I think this is a very timely one. The Holy Spirit is changing our thinking from despair to hope. From despair to hope. You know, as we look at the world around us today, even maybe your own world, but a world around us, I mean, we can get caught up in doom, despair, and... What's next? Agony on me? Some, that's we before some of you. Anyways, sorry. I mean, really, there's so much. There is so much to be bummed out about if <laughs> you have no hope. And here's the thing. So many of us who have been sanctified, redeemed, set free, saved. We have a home in heaven. We get caught up. The last couple of years, so many of us have gotten caught up in this despair thinking and feeling, and it's like, oh, what's going to happen next? Right? It's easy to do that, even for us. But now that you have a brand new life, you also have the possibility and the potential of a new outlook. And what is that? We have hope. <laughs> we have hope. No matter how dark it gets, our hope is in the light of Jesus Christ. I love what it says, Isaiah 43. It says, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, the help of my, the help of my countenance and my God. This is a challenge for all of us because every day something happens in your world that has the potential of rocking your world and causing despair and discouragement and depression. But remember this. If you are following Jesus Christ, if you're born again, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, if you're on your way to heaven, I mean, you go down the list. All these great things that are in, in your life and in your future, you have a hope that is beyond any circumstance here on earth. 
Praise God. Is that on your mind right now? Is that consuming your mind right now? It should. Every day, every morning, you wake up and you say, God, I don't care what happens today. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what they say. I don't care. I hope in you. And I'm good. Come, Lord Jesus. Whatever. That's our thinking. That's the kind of thinking God, the Holy Spirit, is trying to produce in our lives. The next one, um, more relevant for some than others, is the Holy Spirit wants to change our thinking from works to grace. Now, what does this mean? It means several things. It means one thing for people who don't know Jesus yet. Uh, one, one of the things that many people in this world, their thinking is, well, if I just work hard enough, or if I am good enough, or if I do this more and enough, then, then surely God will love me more or God will save me and I can go to heaven because of doing these things. And we get stuck in that sometimes. The world does. Rather than realizing that God has already done all these things. God has done everything you need in life to be saved, to be forgiven, to have your home in heaven, to have power for living, for the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you, for you to have this amazing life on earth. God's already done all that. You know what he says to us? <laughs> Quit trying so hard and just accept what I've already done. I've given you these things. That's called grace. We don't deserve it. You don't deserve God's love. You don't deserve heaven. You don't deserve salvation, but God says, here, I'll take care of all the details. You just come to the table. You just come and eat. You accept my invitation. That's called grace. Romans 3.27 says this, Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal, forgiveness is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith by believing what God has done for each one of us already. Because here's the thing. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be smart enough. You can't do enough. You can't be nice enough to even please God. You can't be... You can't love God enough to make him want to love you more. Did you know that at this very moment, every one of you here this morning, God loves you right now as much as he ever did and ever will. He will never love you anymore. He will never love you any less. Everything, every part of God's love is focused on every one of you here today. That's how good God is. And grace says that God gives us everything we need. It's a gift. And all we have to do is believe it, receive it, and make it part of our lives. Now, here's the other thing. Here at Abundant Life Church, we strongly, strongly, and another strongly, teach encourage challenge every one of us 
to make reading, studying, meditating, and applying the Bible on a regular, even daily basis, something that you should be doing. It's a big deal, folks. We also encourage you strongly to have a daily quiet time, a time of praying. Make prayer part of your every day, all day long kind of communication with God. We encourage you to gather with the church family as much as you possibly can, here, in a small group, whatever it is. All these things. And you might say, well, man, I I read the Bible every day. God, you must see that. And God, I pray to you all the time. And I'm there every time the door is open. I'm not sure which door, but whichever one is open, I'm going to go, right? And in in our minds, we're going, God, you must really be happy with me. That doesn't make God happier than he is right now with you. You know what it's for? All that stuff isn't for God. It's for you. It's for your growth. It's for your nourishment. It's for you to become. The Holy Spirit uses all that to help you in your construction process. By you missing a day of reading the Bible, God's not mad. He says, we'll get it tomorrow. Just don't stop. His favor isn't any more on you than if you don't. But the way you experience God, you experience his blessings, are going to be a little bit different. Go to the next one. The Holy Spirit's changing us, uh, our minds from uh, what what we see to what God sees. Okay, the emphasis is on we versus God. And this is sort of the tension between... Sometimes reason and faith. Our reasoning versus what God says and God sees, it's faith. Because so much of what God calls us to do in life is beyond our ability to to, to figure it out, to make sense of it. I mean, we as human beings, we like things to line up, right? If I'm going to make a decision and, and I feel God's wanting me to do this, yet the decision doesn't make sense, it doesn't add up, and I can't figure it out. God, why would you ask me to do that? And so we don't because it's too scary, it's too risky, it doesn't add up. And by the way, what if I fail? You notice how all of our what ifs always go to the negative side? Like, well, this might happen if I do this, or this could happen if I do this, or, you know, what if? (laughs) You know what God says? What if it works? (laughs) What if it's really, really even better than what you imagine? I can just tell you this from personal experience. I'm not saying it's 100% every time, but most of the times when God is asking me, our family, Lori and I, to make a decision to do something big or small. It very rarely makes sense. Very rarely do I jump up and down and go, yes, I can't wait. Because <laughs> it's scary. I'm, my mind is, here's where that renewing of the mind goes. The mind is always, ooh, what if? And then I go, nope, we're going to go back to, what if it's amazing? It's God. Are you with me on this? I'm serious. This is, this is a big deal. And, and here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It says, we live by faith and not by sight. 
Another translation, New Living, says, we live by believing and not by seeing. In other words, if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, living a life of faith, living a life that follows Jesus, you, you obey, you follow, even when it doesn't make sense because it's probably going to be that a lot. It's called faith. Next thing, let me, let me speed up a little bit here. He's changing our thinking from cultural values to God's word. Okay, this is a big one now for our, our world today right now, from cultural values to God's word. Because many people in our world today, I'll, I'll say just our culture, have, we've adopted, they've adopted values of the culture because many people, they, they do that because they don't know that there is another way of doing things. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you have no other filter, you have no other foundation, no other standard to measure life by. So you just go along with what the world says. You go along with what is normal for the world because it's more, it's more convenient to follow than to stand up and say, uh-uh, hey, wait a minute. I guarantee you this very moment, there are millions of people in our country right now that deep down inside, <laughs> they're going, um, something's not right. Something's not right about what you're doing, what you're saying, what's going on. Yet they don't have the courage to say anything about it. God's put a conscience inside of each one of us to sort of raise their hand every once in a while. But when you get saved, here's the thing, you get a whole new set of standards. <laughs> All of a sudden you have something now to measure right or wrong, what you do and don't do. You have something by which to guide your thoughts and your decisions and everything you do in life. I love what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all Scripture, that's the Bible, the whole Bible. <clears throat> all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. John 17, Jesus says, Father, your word is truth. This is the truth, folks. This is how we live our lives, what the Bible tells us. Why should you be reading this and studying this, meditating on it and applying it to your life? Because you got nothing else. This is God's word to us. And I can guarantee you as your pastor, this will always be it. We will not bow the knee to, our, to the culture. We will not compromise. This is going to be our guide. Us, the Holy Spirit speaking to us, and this book, the truth of the God's word, will always be our guiding force as a church and as individuals. But if we don't have this, then what do you got? But here's the thing, even if we have it, you still got to make some decisions sometimes, right? <laughs> you still got to do, that's why we call it this clash of cultures. Because we have, as Christians, we have, the, we have truth as our potential culture, and the world has their craziness as their culture, and that's why they go like this a lot of times, right? 
They don't agree on very many things at all. And there's always going to, there always has been. From day one, there was a clash between, in the Garden of Eden, between God and the devil. And it hasn't stopped. It just manifests in, in many different ways. But know this. The values of this culture are going to fade someday. Did you know that? Think about this. The things that are very popular and very outspoken in our culture today, if you had taken all those and, and, and presented those to somebody 10 years ago, <laughs> they're like, you're crazy. There's no way. <laughs> yes way, here we are. God's word never changes. It will never fail. It doesn't change. Truth doesn't change. I love what it says in Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. But know this, folks. This is so cool. There's coming a day when God is going to destroy everything the world believes in. And we are going to live in the kingdom where the kingdom of God and his truth are going to be the only way, the only truth there is. And that's it. There's coming a day. Until then, you get to choose. What's really unfortunate is when Christians, people that claim to be saved, they're follow, trying to follow Jesus, they choose cultural values and priorities over the word of God. That's where it gets a little weird sometimes. But my commitment is we will always stay true to God's word. The unfallible, un inerrant, unchanging word of God. That's my commitment to you. And hopefully that's a commitment you have in living it out. Next one, I think it's the last one, is God, the Holy Spirit's changing our thinking from revenge to forgiveness. Okay, from revenge to forgiveness. You know, even if we're a Christian, we're saved, we're going to heaven, um, our natural response oftentimes if somebody wrongs us, I mean, what do we want? We want to get even, right? <laughs> we want to get back at them. We want to make them pay, whatever that is. We, and we don't want, to even, don't want to let it go. Matter of fact, in our warped way of thinking, we say, you know what? They hurt me so bad. I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to keep making them pay for that. <laughs> How's that working for you? It doesn't. Matter of fact, revenge doesn't work. If you've ever done that before, if you've gotten back at somebody else for something they've done to you, it may feel good for a little bit, but you still have the pain. You still have everything you had before, and now they're even ticked at you. You're dealing with that more than you did before, right? But Jesus says, he says, wait a minute. I have a different way of helping you be healed and for you to be set free. It's called forgive them. Just forgive them. Forgiveness is the key to setting you free from your past, not revenge. Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty five, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone that you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. 
a redeemed, changed life, renewed mind, loves when it's not expected, forgives when it's not deserved, because that's how God treats you. None of you here did anything to deserve God loving you, but he chose to do it anyways. You did nothing to deserve Jesus dying on the cross and forgiving you of everything. Yet he did. Yet he does. And then Jesus says to us, he says, I want you to love others the way I have loved you. Some of you this morning, you need to, this is the biggest change that's on your list right now. Some of you have been hanging on to hurt, to offenses, to grudges. It's become bitterness in your life. And somewhere deep down inside, you know, I really should, I don't want to. They don't deserve it. I'm hurting. They don't know how much they hurt me. Nobody's minimizing that. It hurts. I know. But if you're going to have a renewed mind and you're going to move toward becoming the person that God wants you to be, more like Jesus Christ, at some point, you're going to have to make a decision. It's going to, it might be a process. You're going to have to make a decision and say, I'm going to choose to forgive you. At that moment, the healing and the freedom begins. I guarantee it. Happens every time. Does it hurt? You bet it does sometimes. But the discomfort of forgiving is way better than the pain of not. All of these things don't happen overnight. This whole list and hundreds more, there's hundreds of things that the Holy Spirit is wanting to change your thinking on. They don't happen overnight. I mean, you can get it perfectly one day, and the next day it can be back again. You're struggling with it. So it's an ongoing process. But we should be progressing that way. We should be moving toward what God is wanting to do. And some of you are like, you know what, I'm just tired. There's so much work in my life that God is trying to do. I'm just, I'm about to give up. That's like if we would say, you know what, this is, it's a mess out here. Let's stop. <laughs> no, we just begun. There's something better coming. Same thing in your life. There's something better coming. And here's what it says, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Okay, things are getting really rough out on the outside, right? But inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Folks, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Continue to let God do in your life what God's already doing. You may not realize it, but God is at work. (laughs) And he's loving every moment of it. Even if you're not cooperating the whole time, he's loving it because he knows it has the potential to make you like his son, Jesus Christ. And that is his goal. So what does a remind, renewed mind look like? I mean, what can you look forward to as you move toward your mind being renewed and refreshed and changed? 
I love what it says in Philippians 4.8. Paul writes this to the church in Philippi, and he says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So there's your checklist. How you doing? (laughs) I'm not doing very well sometimes. But that's okay. We have until Jesus comes back to work on it. And trust me, God's working on it right now in your own life. So don't give up, folks. But it does begin somewhere. It simply begins by you saying, okay, Jesus, it's time. It's time that I get serious about this relationship with you. It's time that I let you do in my life what you really want to do. Holy Spirit, I don't understand you at all. I'm not even sure who you are, what you're doing. But whatever it is, it's good. I'm pretty sure it's good. I just surrender to you. Go ahead and do what you need to do. That's that's the invitation. When you do that, you're going to start seeing some very tangible results of the construction process. It's like in the next couple weeks, we're going to see some tangible results. Some block walls are going to be going up. A slab is going to be poured. All these things. And we're going to go, yes. Until then, it's a mess. But praise God, it's not the end. Amen? Let's stand together.